Pat and I love Adventure Time. My name is Ben and I have seen season one of Adventure Time. You've watched the whole first season now. It is true. It is true. How'd that go for you? Uh, well, I think that we have uh, a lot of recordings of how that went uh, for me. Uh, That's true. I've, I think it went, went pretty well. I will say that I have now watched the show with other people. Oh. And Tell more. So, well, some friends of the podcast had asked me, like, uh, what were my favorite episodes of season one? And so I had them sit down with me and we watched uh, Businessmen or Business Time. Can't remember. Nice. We watched Business Time and we watched Trouble in Lumpy Space. Ah, okay. Those are good ones. Yeah. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a good time. We, we watched it and had a good time. I... I was still watching it like it was an experiment, but the people around me were watching it like they were enjoying a TV show, and it was fun for that fun for me to see that happen because I Good. think I still I think I still watch them like uh, I need to, and I have to be very present when I watch the show. It's I I don't mm-hmm. think I can be as um, casual about it, but to see people laugh at the same jokes I laughed at was uh, was a pleasant experience. That's good. Yeah. yeah, we we have to be checked in entirely when we're watching these. It's it's no longer escapism for me, at least when I'm watching the episodes that we're going to talk about. And I have to well, say I'm glad, that... I'm glad we've ruined that for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I can still put on the later seasons and, and float away a little bit. Uh, okay. But I, I have to say that everyone that I've sat down and, and had watch Adventure Time with me has walked away considerably less of a fan <laughs> than I am. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've had success. And I also am glad that I have had success by virtue of forcing you to watch two episodes a week so that... Uh, then I can holler at him, holler at you about him. So maybe that's what's happening here. Maybe we started an experiment where it was you trying to convince me to become a fan. But what has actually happened is that you have convinced me to watch the show and then vicariously you are convincing other people to become fans because I'm now watching it with them. Like maybe it's not going to happen for me in the way that you thought it would, but... If you can't convince people to watch, become fans with you, I have a lower bar. There's no expectation when people watch something with this show with me that I'm trying to make them fan because I've That's said true. I've said out loud uh, that I'm not yet a super fan, and mm-hmm. so then they don't have to feel the obligation to uh, laugh or do whatever they appease me in some way. Uh, so that I think that uh, maybe we've got maybe we've maybe the, ex- the experiment has succeeded in a way that neither of us could have predicted. Yeah, it's it's like contagion. Yes, exactly. Yes, we are. You, you're my first. You're my first vector. I'm patient zero, or are you patient zero? Now I don't know. No, I'm the infectious agent. Well, maybe Adventure Time is the infectious agent. Who knows? All right. In any case, it's uh, it's a bit of a milestone here on Podventure Time because we are starting season two. Dose. We watched the first twenty six episodes that made up season one. We was it really twenty six last week? Yeah. Man, was it really 26? That's impressive. Yeah, 26 episodes. And I can't remember how many are in season two. There's one ep- one season that's like 52 episodes long. I think this is another 26-episode season. But, you know, I, I spent most of the first season, most of our first 15 episodes of our show, telling you I, I promise it's it's going to get better. And I think that right off the bat here in season two, it, it delivered on some of those promises that I made about more deep characters and characterization so do you want to uh head right into it came from the nidosphere yeah let's do it let's jump in all right all right so i i guess we should uh we should kind of recap quickly what happened in this episode it came from the nidosphere it is the opening episode of season two uh the writers i'm sure had to just sit down and really really think about this one i have no i actually have no idea what they did but the uh the the result was great I thought it was a good episode. I'll say that right off the bat. Me the, too. Yeah the 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 premise is that we have a return of Marceline, the vampire queen, and it is Finn and Marceline hanging out at Marceline's shack somewhere 
uh, somewhere in the in a cave somewhere. And yeah, Marcel- I, I I think that it might be the cave that uh, Finn and oh. Jake lived in for a minute before right. Marceline showed up and kicked them back to the treehouse. Before she kicked them out. That's right. Since she owns everything in Ooh by virtue of writing an M on it 900 years ago. She is at her place, and she is... Uh, first of all, I noticed she had a different look going uh, than yep. I had seen in past. She had a she had updated her look a little bit. A little the the hair was a little more tamed and uh, had a little more conservative look. I would say. Yeah, she's she's more uh, ready for show business this way. Right, and, and we're we, we focused on a ton of minutia already. The premise of this episode, uh, or the, how it really starts, is that Jake is there. Uh, Jake, sorry, Finn is there. To season two, season not two. getting Finn and Jake correct yet. Nope. <laughs> Mark it in the log. <laughs> the research notes continue. The Finn is there, and Finn and Marceline are going to record. Well, Marceline's going to record one of her songs, and Finn is there ostensibly to help by laying down a sick beat for it, which which he does, which he does. It is he is uh, he is the Bismarcky of Ooh. Apparently, I would say so. And he drops down a beat for her, and she lays down some soulful, mournful, and deep cuts. Yeah, it is. Her song is about her dad, who mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that she had one before she starts writing. Before she starts singing the song, but mm-hmm. it is about her dad, and is uh, it is about. It starts off pretty shallow. It starts off like it's going to just be a total joke. About how uh, her dad didn't, her dad ate some French fries of hers without asking. But yep, then cold it too. dives, it dives way past that real quick. And just the next line I think is, "Dad, why don't you love me?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like line one is, "Why'd you eat my fries?" Line two is, "Why don't you love me?" Yeah, and that cuts Finn to the core. Yeah, we had a little discussion last season. In one of the Marceline episodes about how she's emo, and she does nothing to dispel that notion at the beginning of this episode. No, no. She she doubles down. Yeah, her, her emo music is so emotional, in fact, that Finn can't lay down a beat anymore. He, he, has, to, he has to stop because he's too emotionally affected. And yep. that kind of moves us into the real plot of this episode. Right, which is that Finn uh, then says to Marceline, you know, he, he asked her about her dad. She responds, she doesn't want to see him. She doesn't want to talk to him. They don't, they don't get along. Finn being Finn and wanting to fix essentially any problem that should just roll past him like tumbleweed. He decides that he has to fix this problem. And so he surreptitiously summons Marceline's dad. Yeah, she's describing the ritual that she would have to conduct if she were to want to speak to her dad. And as she is describing it, Finn is performing it. He draws a face. She says draw a circle with a happy face in it. And he kind of draws this surprisingly detailed, smiling face. That's true. And then... Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was just going to be the straight up, you know, your standard have a nice day smiley face. Mm-hmm. And he douses it with milk. It's on her wall. He douses it. No, yeah, bug milk. Uh, and then that opens the portal to the nidosphere. And who should emerge but? Marceline's dad, who yeah. is who is essentially sort of a, uh, a business-like Dracula-looking thing. Yeah, uh, he's wearing a business suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he emerges from the nidosphere, which is full of flames and could very well actually be hell. Right. And proceeds to start to uh, steal Finn's soul. Right. Just very businesslike. Very just perfunctory. Oh, because I think Finn, Finn announces himself as being super good. And that just then leads Finn's, uh, Marceline's dad to say, oh, you're super good? I will begin sucking your soul then. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, you know, you might be good, but let me just go ahead and get down to business here. He does mm-hmm. seem to have just sort of a very... Um, he's not, you know, a raging evil man- maniac or anything. He's, you know, he's just gonna go uh, suck some souls and ooh. He's just doing his job, yeah. So he uh, he gets released. Uh, Finn Finn releases him through this, and uh, and Marceline does not want to talk to her. Talk to his dad, her dad. Um, she mostly wants to pout and say, you know, uh, I don't want to talk to you. 
Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of issues mm-hmm. going on, and uh, Marceline, while very evidently thinking about her dad, does not seem to to have wanted to to see him, and so Finn messes up twice. He he drops out the beat, which ruins her song, and then he summons her dad. And so Marceline's not happy with Finn, yeah. but there's a more pressing problem than their relationship. Right. The problem is that now that Marceline's dad is in the land of Ooh, he is going to now go out and suck up all the souls in the land of Ooh. And he's out there doing it. Yeah. There is one thing uh, that I wanted to mention that happened in this little scene that I noticed only because uh, I think I mentioned I've started playing Dungeons and Dragons and I Mm -hmm. noticed it is that uh, Marceline's dad sees Marceline and sees that Marceline is playing her axe, playing her guitar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is literally an axe that she's turned into a guitar. Yeah, there appears to be some kind of family heirloom. Right. And the dad says, oh, look, the family axe. Have you turned it into some kind of loot? Yeah. (laughs) And loot is definitely a reference to like playing some sort of role-playing game like Dungeons & Dragons where you try to find loot that are often things like souped-up weaponry and stuff like that. So I think that was a reference to that kind of uh, genre or that kind of game. Yeah, and it's it's also just sort of a reference out of time where Marceline is emo and her dad comes out wearing a business suit. But you do get the impression that there is more to at least Marceline's dad than his manifestation in his business suit and so when he says have you turned it into some kind of loot it's sort of a callback i think to his maybe more storybook or epic nature yeah that's true so we have this problem we have a super demon in the form of marceline's dad basically released upon the landscape all because of finn basically so finn is now feeling super guilty and also super uh problem fixie like finn is and he has he is now compelled obsessively compelled that he's got to go fix this and rightly so we got to get the demon out of the out of the picture so oh yeah so he begs pleads with marceline we got to go get your dad we've got to go we've got to go kill your dad marceline tells him that well he can't be killed uh but we've at least got to go get him and marceline begrudgingly agrees to only because the dad has still has her guitar and so he said, she says, fine, I'll come, and, but only because I've, he's got my axe. Yeah, so Finn and Marceline have some different ideas of their goal, and right. they have some different motivations, but they team up and head out to see what they can do about this man who is wandering around, ooh, stealing everyone's soul. Right. Well, for a while they can't catch up to him, so we get to see a few scenes of her dad, in fact, stealing some souls. Uh, first from a little puffy puffy person, puffy cloud kind of person. And then next, the one I was kind of sad about was that he showed up at the uh, Marauders table that people yeah. may remember from uh, Legend of Boom Boom Mountain episode. Look at me yeah. calling back episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he shows up at the Marauders table and steals all the souls from the Marauders, which I was actually kind of sad about because I kind of like the Marauders as a, as a group. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Anytime yeah. I think that you see... A character that you know having their soul stolen, it can be a little uh, a little upsetting. Sure, it's not just it's not just getting beaten up or even killed. But uh, her dad has a legitimately like very evil aspect to him, and somehow having your soul stolen seems a worse fate than being beaten up or frozen by Ice King or something like that. Right. So we see a few scenes like this. The He is making progress. He is stealing a ton of souls. And, and as he does, he seems to get more powerful. Right. Our hero, Finn, and Marceline do catch up to him at some at one point where uh, in a cavern, or, no, a chasm of some kind, where he's. they know he's got to pass through this way. And so they Finn sees it as a pers- perfect opportunity to trap him and crush him with a boulder. Marceline is less enthusiastic about that whole part of the plan. She is basically just sort of uh, rage, rage pouting. I'm not sure. She is just sort of uh, upset that he has the guitar. More the underlying aspect, she is upset that he ignores her Mm -hmm. and is a absentee father for the most part. 
So yeah, Marceline is is I think in many ways justified in being upset with her father, but she is yeah. a teenage girl about the whole thing. Right. So she immediately upon seeing her dad walking down uh, this path, she launches at him uh, without without setting up a plan with Finn. She launches at him, tries to tries to take the guitar away. Her dad pretty much handily dismisses her. Yeah, and neither Finn nor Marceline are having much success in stopping yeah. him from stealing souls. Right. Finn gets upset at Marceline at this point because she launched out, she went off half cocked without a plan and let the dad get away. Uh, Marceline is still upset simply because she just never wanted to see him and she's mad at Finn and she's mad at her dad and just doesn't want to be here at all. But we do end up getting a climactic fight where uh, the dad has sucked up enough souls to simply to start growing in gigantic size. Finn, undaunted, attacks him with a sword. As Finn is wont to do. Right. Stabbing him seems to have no effect. He eventually climbs up to the top of this giant dad, and Piers is able to get a glimpse inside of the dad where he sees all of the souls being <laughs> trapped, sort of cell... Like, yeah, like they're a sort beehive of little, kind of thing. Right. They're in little pods of little some pods. kind. Yeah. <laughs> and and who else is who else is hanging out in the pod? Uh we do see Lumpy Space Princess in there. Oh, it was a pretty I sick love there's, this. A, there's a pretty sweet gag. Uh he he says, Lumpy Space Princess, no, you got sucked up too. And she says, No, what? No, I saw Hot Dog Princess get sucked up and I was like I was crashing this that party. party. I am crashing this party. <laughs> So Lumpy Space Princess has managed to find herself inside of perhaps the most evil being that we've met in Adventure Time, simply because everyone else was headed there and she was not going to be left out. Purely out of jealous spite, yes. Uh, So she is in there, and (laughs) yeah, that's a pretty good gag. I like that gag. But uh, Finn is trying to fight the dad and is still unable to beat him. Marceline and her dad have another argument and begin stomping off away from each other. And Finn realizes that if he doesn't have Marceline's help, he's never going to beat the dad. And also, if the dad just walks away, he's never going to be able to catch him. So he does, he panics and does the one thing he can do in this moment, which is to play the song that Marceline was recording at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, he, he hits play. And we hear Marceline, who, by the way, has a very nice voice. I, yeah, it's a pretty sweet I think, song. I liked it. Yeah, it's, it's a good song. And uh, so Finn hits play, and Marceline's voice starts coming out of his tape recorder. Right. Her dad notices. It's a very sad song, and it's about him. Right. And, um, you know, Finn made this desperation play, and it, it looks like it's working. Right. It momentarily softens the dad, and the dad has a very touching moment where he tells Marceline that she should never doubt that he loves her. Mm -hmm. All of this, by the way, he is delivering as like some sort of hideous, weird soul monster. Yeah. It appears that the manifestation of him as a kind of bug eyed vampire in a business suit may be a sort of skin that he wears and this, you know, enormous, soul-sucking monster that's really horrifying it, that seems to be kind of his true form right but i love the fact that that he's having this touching moment in that form right i think it's great and marceline just just goes with it you know when it comes yep. down to it i think marceline realizes exactly what her dad is right i think that marceline is relieved to hear her dad say this and but the but the point of the narratively how what this does is that it gives Finn an opportunity to make an attack. Yeah, he's distracted. Right. Again, Finn and Marceline have different goals for this encounter. While Marceline is trying to have a moment of connection with her father, Finn takes that opportunity to stab her father with two swords at once and free a bunch of the souls and then conduct what I what appears to be some sort of reverse summoning ritual that sends her father back to the nightosphere. 
Yeah, it's a pretty sick move by Finn. He he first frees everyone whose soul has been captured and then banishes him to the Nidosphere back whence yeah. he came. Banishes. That's the right word. Reverse mm-hmm. summoning. Come on, Ben. <laughs> Dungeon Master, please. Right. <laughs> um, he Yeah, he does. He gets him back. He, he, he sends him back. Marceline is peeved because Finn... Finn has Finn has abruptly brought her dad back and then abruptly banished him again, um, with without regard for her without regard for her feelings. This was not how Marceline imagined this day going when she invited Finn to come over and record no. and lay down a beat for her. No, no. Uh, then at the uh, the final portion of the episode, they both lay down. Marceline says, "Let's lay down." I'm emotionally exhausted. Finn says, "Yeah, me too." No, wait. Physically. physically exhausted <laughs> because Finn I don't know this Finn rarely gets emotionally exhausted he gets he expends a lot of emotions but it never seems to exhaust him but well, I don't think that Finn even really would know what it was what it was to be emotionally exhausted he might yeah. know that he doesn't feel good right but I'm not sure at this point that that if Finn said oh I'm emotionally exhausted too I think that all of us would have been like you don't actually know what you're talking about, Finn. So when That's he true. realizes that it's actually just physical exhaustion, he's he's on the same page as as everyone else, I think. Yeah. So they lay down, and then as a final beat to the episode, Marceline asks, hey, what's that pocket on your shirt? And just simply calls out the fact that Finn has a pocket on his shirt. And now I can't think, does he always have a pocket? And it's just never yeah, referenced? Yeah, it's, it's there throughout the episode. Is it always there on every episode? Nope, just this one. Oh, okay. So it's just a bit for this. It was I didn't know if they were just calling out some little bit of the animation that had never been talked about. Uh, but she calls it out. Hey, what's that pocket? And he just goes, oh, Jake's in there. And he peeks, he opens the pocket. And Jake, who has taken a miniature form, is in there. And Jake simply rolls over and farts. And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. I always like a good Adventure Time episode to end with a fart. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It was it was a perfect perfect end because it ends... Uh, like like most Adventure Time episodes, ending with without a desire to belabor any kind of moral and or character growth. Yeah, just a um, nice little silly tag on the end of the episode. Yeah. So, like I said at the beginning, I liked the episode. Solid episode. Nicely done writers jumping out of season two with a good one. Yeah. I thought actually that the, aside from just being funny um as as finn as as marceline says you know what's that pocket and jake is in there it really highlighted a very important part of this episode i think which was that jake was not in it yeah for sure i i kind of got used they had a couple episodes last season or at least one where well they've had like finn heavy episodes and jake heavy episodes so i didn't have a i while i was watching it i didn't i noted that jake wasn't there but I didn't like think like, well, where's Jake the whole time? It was just right. sort of like, okay, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Finn and Marceline episode. But you're right, he wasn't there, and for a for a for only season two, the first episode of season two, it is interesting that they chose to keep Jake out of it. It is, you know, this is the first episode of the second season of Adventure Time with Finn and Jake. And they chose to have a Finn and Marceline episode. Um, I do think that that is pretty significant. First of all, Finn is rushing into battle and, and kind of kicking butt, although uh, he's not going to beat Marceline's dad. But he's he's holding his own anyway without Jake being there. And it also gives him an opportunity to develop his relationship with Marceline. Right. I think it was a good move by the writers. It It worked out really well. For me, mm-hmm. the thing I kept thinking about because I have my my side theory, my mm-hmm. my metaverse theory, and the fact that Marceline refer- references a father. I mean, I went there. I was I just was like, oh, wait a second. How do I mm-hmm. fit this? How do I fit this into my theory? Because I it, devotees of the podcast may recall that I have a theory that. Marceline is an allegory for Finn's actual older sister. If we so assume so is so the creature is, emerging from hell both of their father? Indeed. Is it that? 
And if that is true, what I found myself asking myself is, okay, is their father, is that their father? Is their father truly absent, at least emotionally, if not physically? But is that, if this is all in Jake's mind, is that how Jake feels? Or is that how Jake feels that his older sister Marceline feels? I couldn't remember. Fe- remember I, when you kept messing up Finn and Jake? Yeah, am I doing that again? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> Dang it, man. Jake is so much easier to say. Finn is not a natural name for me to say for some reason. That's true. Jake is, yeah, Jake is Jake. Finn is kind of a, it's a little bit of a stretch. I think, ah, man. Well, listen, from here on out, I'm going to be talking about Finn. Regardless of the name I use, understand that I'm talking about Finn. Yeah, Jake wasn't even in this episode, so exactly. leave alone. Yeah, <laughs> give, give me a break. <laughs> People. Oh, man. Finn and... Finn, well, so it's, it's is it Finn's dad? That's the thing. Is it Finn's mm-hmm. dad? And I can't... I can't... It seems a little... If that's true, if then I would say, oh, man, like this whole escapist... This whole escapist adventuring dreamscape that he's created for himself just took a, took a darker turn for me, mm-hmm. if that's true. If this is what he's escaping from, some sort of unhappy home life right where he appears to literally want to physically destroy his father right i i don't know that i like my multiverse theory anymore <laughs> like i don't like thinking about it anymore mm-hmm. if that is the case i mean it it i think that it does it does fit though i mean you you have to you have to take it to a dark place and you have to think that you yeah. know, if, if Finn and Marceline are siblings and this yeah. creature actually is their father, I mean, there's all kinds of things that this could be a manifestation of, you know. Uh, I think it's completely reasonable to to see the youngest child in a family lash out against uh, a potentially abusive father while the teenager, she is trying to handle it emotionally and figure out how she is going to connect with her dad, even though he's the way that he is, and where she fits into the world and where her dad fits in, whereas Finn's reaction is just, you know, he's a threat, and I'm going to eliminate him. Right. He's a threat that I can't eliminate in my real life, but in my fantasy world, I can. Or in my right. fantasy world, I can fight him. I am strong enough to. Yep. And yeah. I, I, think that, uh, I think that works, and I do think that it's okay to take it to a dark place because the show went to i think a darker place than maybe it has gone before we certainly haven't heard the music that we've heard in the show has not been like marceline's and i don't think that we've really had someone so emotionally um you know no one's been so emo about any of the relationships that they have in the show that's true okay so that's Fine. why that's why I did think that it was a a real big jump into the second season and delivering on some of those promises. I think that Finn and Marceline being able to develop their relationship as well as the 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 sort of heavy emotional work that Marceline does in this episode, it it's it, I think that this is where kind of the the other layer of of the show really becomes visible. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And Jake, I'm actually referring to Jake this time. I know what I'm talking about, this one. The dog? Yeah, the dog. Maybe I'll just do that. I'll just call them the human the boy and the and dog. The dog. Boy, boy, boy did this. Dog did this. Uh, <laughs> the, the dog, Jake, is not in this episode. And in my previous theory, Jake is an allegory or is a, is a stand-in for Finn's brother. Mm-hmm. The middle child, I think. The middle child, right. The fact that the middle child wouldn't be present in this battle, this conflict, throws into question for me whether then that Jake is actually the middle child. Maybe Jake represents something else because I, I don't know. I, I feel like all the kids would be present for a fight with the dad, but maybe not. I'm not sure. Well, you know, I, I actually think that the middle child may just sort of hide out in a situation like that. And I take, you know what? He was there the whole time. That's true. Uh, they, they, they established that in the at the with the with the final with the final gag. He was there the whole time. He just wasn't. Yeah, he was hiding. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, fine. Oh. You've all convinced right, me. So... You've, you've brought it back. You, uh, all right, fine. I, 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 you've, you've removed the shaky foundation that I started placing on my, on my world. The theory is alive. Yes. The show is, the show is getting better. Indeed, and... yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I really... Well, you know, I'm a Marceline fan, so of course I'm going to like this episode. But... Right. It has Marceline and a lumpy space princess joke in the same episode. Oh, yeah. It, you're yeah. sold. You're sold. Yeah. Yeah, and good, good music, too. Yeah, very good music. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really into this episode, and I thought it was a great way to start off the second season with a signal that, you know, this isn't so much of a, of a kid's show anymore. Yes. It is still jarring to me. When I watch this on Hulu, by the way, it's still jarring to me that when they do the little promo for, like, when you're, where you can watch Adventure Time live, they kind of, yeah. they, Hulu does that, like, oh, Adventure Time available this time on this channel. Whenever I see that it's like you can catch Adventure Time at like 1 p.m. Eastern, right? It always throws me. I'm like, whoa, wait, yeah, 1 p.m. Like this is that is nowhere near any show, other show that I would ever watch. Like prime time, like I'm watching shows at prime time or later because I've got a job. Right. Well, and that's when they put on children's programs. Exactly. That that throws me every time. Mm hmm. Anyway, let's let's move on. All right. So episode two of season two is called The Eyes. Yes. The Eyes has a very simple premise, much more simple than episode one. Yeah, this is this is going back to, to a more cartoon-type format. Right. The Eyes, the premise of The Eyes episode is that Jake and Finn, dog and boy, have returned from adventuring from a whole week's worth of constant adventuring. They say, we haven't slept in seven days. And they go through the list of things that they've done, um, most of them are pretty funny and saving different, saving different kinds of princesses and different kinds of people from horrors, essentially. Mm -hmm. They do a little montage of just recounting their week. Then they say, well, we've, we've earned our rest. Let's head to bed. And so they go to sleep in their treehouse. But for some reason, neither of them can sleep. And they look out, they feel, they get a sense that the feeling that someone is watching them. And they look out the window of their treehouse, and there atop a hill, looking at their treehouse, is a horse that I put the largest air quotes around that I could ever possibly do for a horse. Because this thing looks... <laughs> the only reason I call it a horse is because they call it a horse, but it's essentially like two purple balls with eyes and a tail. Yeah. I do think it has a mane and a tail, and so... Yeah. In in some very broad, loose sense, it it may qualify as a horse, but right. uh, that's it, it's not, if they had not called it a horse, I'm with you. I would not have recognized it as a horse. Right? They call it a horse, though, and this horse is just staring at the treehouse, and, and which unnerves them to the point where they cannot sleep as long as they know that that horse is out there looking at them. Right. So first, they try. They they decide we've got to we've got to put this out of our mind. They first try a few non-invasive remedies they're not yeah, gonna just go simple solutions simple solutions first of all pull down the shade you can't the, if the horse can't see in they they then the problem solved out of sight out of mind i think jake even says so they do they pull down the shade and they go back to bed they think this is going to work but what happens the giant moon rises behind the horse and casts a shadow of the horse into their treehouse and then the tree then the, then the shadow also has eyes uh, which physically would be impossible, but as good as a gag. Right. And the shadow is then looking at them. And so, so that plan worked. That plan did not, that did not work. Yeah. The, the first simple solution is not getting the job done. Right. They can, they move on, they escalate and I think they move right on to, well, let's go ask the horse to move. I think that's the next thing they try. Am I wrong? Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, they decide they're going to go ask the horse nicely. Yes. Uh, but Jake doesn't really carry out that plan. He he runs out and starts berating the horse, but right. Finn announces that he's going to try and talk to the horse diplomat style. Right. Which basically means using things like verily and like putting eth, like eth at the like, you should cometh yeah. cometh with us and something like that. He just he speaks in fake fake uh, fake Shakespearean essentially. Yeah, I think that Finn believes that all diplomats are from the 17th century. Right. Fakespearean? Did I just make up a... Did I just do a portmanteau? I nice. Think I did. Fakespearean language. Uh, the 
the horse is unresponsive. A, because it's a horse. And B, because it just didn't work. The horse hey, does not move. Do you know Do you know who's the uh, counterfeiter's favorite playwright? No. Fakespeare? Oh, yeah. I like that. I like See, that you lot. give me punchlines, I'll come up with the jokes. Man, my and I've been a dad for four years now. My powers are only getting stronger with the bad dad jokes. I've I've been telling dad jokes as long as I can remember. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you should have you should have a series of children by now by, with how many bad dad jokes you've told. But yeah, but luckily I've been wrapping them up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the. Am I going to have to put the explicit tag on this episode now? Uh, it's PG-13, adult, adult themes, for yeah. sure. Hey there, everybody. This is Pat. Um, I hope that you're enjoying episode 16 of Podventure Time, where we jump right in to season two of Adventure Time and since I went ahead and derailed the episode a little bit with my dad joke, I thought it wouldn't hurt to derail it further here by jumping in apropos of nothing and reminding you that our good friend Will Yates was very gracious and allowed us to use his song, Date Night, for our intro and outro music. That song comes off of an EP called I Know the Feeling, and we want to make sure that Will knows how much we appreciate him. Another thing that we're thinking about doing here in Season 2 of the show is trying to interact with uh, those of you who may or may not be listening just a little bit more. So we've got a Twitter account. It's at PodVentureTime. We've got a Facebook page called PodVentureTime. And we also have an affiliated Facebook group, which is where if you have a problem with us or if you think that we are great or if you just want to talk about adventure time or adventure time adjacent things or you know talk about whatever you can show up there and let's have a discussion so we are looking forward to hearing from you and uh let me just say that if you are one of the first people to reach out to us to give us a shout out on social media we may have a small token of our appreciation it is podventure time branded and so it is certain to be worth some large amount of money going forward so let's get right back to the episode episode 16 we're going to keep talking about that weird cow with the eyeballs and thank you so much for listening thank you to will for allowing us to use his song and i am going to go ahead and stop now and then we can get right back into the episode bye so anywho we digress Back to the child and the dog berating the, the berating the horse. horse. Yeah. Indeed, that plan doesn't work. The horse doesn't move, and we should note that throughout every time a plan of theirs does not work, Finn and Jake become visibly more exasperated and exhausted, and the fact that they haven't slept in seven days becomes more and more apparent. They become yeah. manic. Their plans become more and more desperate, and quickly so. They escalate probably more quickly than they would for a well-rested person. Yeah, and it it also makes the show more interesting Indeed. when they escalate their solutions to the problem that sure. they can't seem to solve. Yeah, it makes sense narratively. It makes sense mechanically. It's great. So the next plan they have, well, then they move on. Well, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Let's forcibly remove the horse. I think, yeah. I think Jake uses his powers at this point to grow enormous. Yeah. Jake yells at the horse. He says, I didn't want to use my powers on you because I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah. So he grows but enormous, picks up the horse, and moves it to a even farther off hill. Several hills away. A couple hills away. And finally they think, well, he can't be creepy from that far away. He can't be staring into our window from that far away. So let's head back. But as they, almost instantaneously, as they turn their backs and start walking back to the treehouse, they hear a little clip-clop, clip-clop. They turn around, and there's that horse right back in the same spot, staring unblinkingly at them. Yeah, and I think here is where the, their plan sort of goes off the rails. You know, none of these reasonable solutions have solved our problem, so let's get creative. Let's kill the horse is, I think, Jake's next plan. <laughs> 
Finn is still against direct killing. He says, no, that's crazy. We can't do it. There's his dang honor code getting in the way of stuff again. Right. And Jake skirts the honor code by basically suggesting a uh, indirect murder. Right. Uh, hiring hitmen of sorts, but hit hit hawks in this case. They said, let's dress the, let's dress the horse up like a giant bunny. Call some giant hawks. And get the hawks to kill the giant bunny, which Finn what again is wrong? against. And then Jake alters the language to say, "We'll get the giant hawks then to carry him off to a safe, funny, happy place where they'll just cuddle him." And right. Finn agrees to this. So and so they stick a stick some ears and a puffy tail on the horse. They run around and they are successful in non-reverse summoning some hawks. Yes. Anti, I believe it's reverse banishment is what we should be calling this. Gotcha. They reverse, okay. ban- they reverse banish some hawks. <laughs> and they get the hawks to show up. And the, the hawks carry the horse off after pecking Jake and Finn a couple times. But the hawks carry the horse off into the night sky. And they think they've solved their problem. And they head back to their beds to fall asleep. But Everything is well. Everything is well. But the horse makes a return. It comes crashing through the ceiling. Apparently the hawks have dropped it off there. And it comes crashing through the ceiling and is now standing directly in their bedroom. There is no escaping the horse. We forgot a whole part of their plan or or step in there. Oh, really? A whole thing they attempted where... um, Jake gets his viola and decides he's going to lure the horse away with oh music. Oh my gosh, yes. Because the horse has poo brain and everything with poo brain loves music. And so Jake starts playing uh, Beethoven, which uh, Be- does not cause Beethoven. the horse. Yeah. Beethoven. <laughs> and, and that doesn't work. So then he starts playing Mozart. Um, and that only succeeds, unfortunately, in summoning snakes. Yep. I thought the line that I I can't believe we forgot this because my favorite line in the whole episode is, huh, is Jake being disgruntled and saying, huh, I guess beef oven isn't luring enough. Right. <laughs> and I love that line. So we did miss that one. That was another. And I, I, I really, I really like that. Um, yeah. The luring, Jake is a the... very talented viola player. Yeah. Uh, but not good enough, unfortunately, to get the horse to come along. And Muzart, I think is what he calls it. Muzart, <laughs> Muzart only summons snakes, only lures snakes. So they, let's jump back to, I guess, where we had gotten in the narrative. They, the horse crashes through the ceiling. Horse crashes through the ceiling. Yes. Horse crashes through the ceiling. Unescapable now. They can't, not, he's not even out on a hill. He is literally in the bedroom and they lose it. They can't. They just, the presence of the horse tears them apart, and they even acknowledge it so. They they scream, this horse is tearing us apart. And then then they they argue about, they argue about, I think, whether it's tearing them apart, which causes them to realize that it's still tearing them apart. Right. And then I think at the end of all this, it drives Finn so insane that he comes, he says, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to kick it in the butt. Yep. And Nothing this else has worked, and so Finn's just going to resort to what he knows. Yep, I'm going to attack it. I'm going to hit it with a hit it with a thing. So he kicks the horse in the butt quite strongly, and the ripple effect of kicking the horse in the butt does something interesting. It ripples through the horse and sends something flying out of the horse's mouth, and that something is the Ice King. Yeah. <laughs> The whole thing has been the Ice King in a horse suit. Right. And he's been staring at them. And yes. Ice King obviously has been a, a, a big antagonist for yes. Finn and Jake so far. Um, but his motives for staring at Finn and Jake are less than evil, shall we say. Yeah. So we have another. Your prophecy continues to come true in that the layers of the show are becoming more and more developed. And... Mm-hmm. After this entirely silly episode, it's this whole episode, which has basically been about nothing. It's been yeah, about, it's just a running gag. It is just it is just a plot point. It's just a it's just a hook. Uh, is it a MacGuffin? I don't know if I'm using that term correctly. 
It might be a MacGuffin. I'll have to look I that look up. up. I look up MacGuffin, I'd say, every two to three months and never remember what it is. So we'll just say that you're using it correctly. Yeah. All I know is that I think the I think the briefcase in Pulp Fiction is a MacGuffin. The, the briefcase that lights up like with holy light. That's one, right. I think that's yeah, a MacGuffin. It, okay. I may it's have like been a, wrong about that. Like an, I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like an otherwise meaningless object or something. Yeah. I don't know. But what I mean, what I mean by when I say MacGuffin, this, the horse has been a plot device this whole time. It mm-hmm. is only, it has been a meaningless plot device. What we end up with, the, the real meat of the episode happens in like the last minute of it, basically. Right. Where the Ice King is revealed, he has been spying on Finn and Jake, and they say, why? And he says, because I want to learn how to be happy. Ah, uh, this poor guy. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just hits you. He says, I don't know how to, I'm not happy. I don't know how to be happy. All I do is sit around and cry all day. And then when I see you guys, you're always happy. So I thought I would spy on you and try to figure out what the secret is. I mean, yeah, break my heart, right? Like it's a crazy episode and it's a cartoon, but oh man, that hit me. And he tells his whole, he tells his whole sob story to them as a way of explaining why he did what he did. And at the very end, after he gets through his whole spiel, it turns out that Finn and Jake have like fallen asleep while listening. Mm-hmm. And then we have this like, <laughs> I don't know. I laughed. I laughed a lot at the last line of this episode. Oh where, yeah. Where the ice King says, Oh wait, is that it? You guys fell asleep. Is that all that I need? Is that the secret to happiness is getting a good night's rest? I just need a good night's rest. And so, so he... he snuggles up with Finn and Jake, mm-hmm. closes his eyes, and as the camera pans, zooms in to close the episode, he just, with a smile on his face, just still goes, I'm still not happy. Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Ice King has it rough. Yeah. Yeah. He and it should be noted one of the things that Finn and Jake had done earlier in the episode when they were recounting all of the adventures they had done in the week where they didn't sleep. One was rescuing someone from the Ice King. Berry Princess. And by rescue, the scene that they showed was that the Ice King was having a picnic with somebody. Mm -hmm. And the person didn't seem... Well, a person... It was like a raspberry. I keep saying person, but it was some like berry... It was Berry Princess. Berry Princess. There we go. Uh, the Berry Princess didn't seem particularly upset at the picnic, I would yeah, say. Yeah, she was not in, in under any obvious duress. Right. And Finn and Jake just showed up and punched the Ice King. To which Ice he, King says... To which Ice King says, I'm just trying to be happy. I which think. is sort of a throwaway line early in the episode. Right. But when they call back to it at the end, man, like... You know, and we saw, I think, a little bit of this in the first season yeah. um, with Ricardio. And, you know, it, it, I think that there are times in the first season where Ice King isn't just a straight up evil villain. But but that, you know, but here we have... In the first, I will say, though, in the first season, all of the times he's... Even when he showed depth of character, it was he was still a, a sociopath. Mm-hmm. He, you know? But in this episode, I mean... Yeah, he was spying on them, but it was he was trying. It was like real personal growth he was going for. Like honest, like I just want to learn. He was like self-aware that he wasn't happy and was just searching anywhere for how to be happy. He mm-hmm. didn't have some he didn't have a plan where he was putting anyone in danger. He was just like observing. <laughs> and yeah. so this is different. This is this was a different level of Ice King. Mhm. And Yeah, I I yeah. do think that that he's He's still more or less a sociopath. Indeed, I, indeed, yes. You know, he he doesn't go to Finn and Jake and and talk to them uh, about. Yeah, how but to every be happy. time he walks in front of them, they stab him with a sword. So that's true. Although they they uh, after he tells his story anyway, they they fall asleep comfortably and and everybody cuddles up. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, I don't um, I don't expect Ice King to make any major growth here, but he yeah. Is, but, but certainly, it's it, it's just another, like, it was another deep, deep emotional moment. Yes, it was. And, you know, to the extent that, that Ice King is, is a sociopath and a big jerk, 
Finn and Jake are jerks to him too. You know, they, yeah. they just come and kick him in the face and spill his picnic basket. And there's really no evidence that he's doing anything wrong. And so, you know, not only, I think, do we learn sort of Ice King's whole motivation behind, you know, the trouble that he gives Finn and Jake. Uh, but we also kind of see where Finn and Jake have the sort of one zero black or white good and evil view of the mm-hmm. world that I think it's easy to have in the first season of the show. But all of a sudden, here we are in the second season, and that's that's not working out. You you don't get to act based on good and evil so much anymore. Yeah. So there is a trope, or a hmm, I don't know if that's the right word here, in role playing games uh, of different. They, there's like different kinds of players that you encounter in role playing games, like like how people play the game, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a kind of player that a lot of a lot of folks don't enjoy playing with unless you've established like you're going to play this kind of game. Uh, it is the the role that they, they call it the murder hobo. Okay. And, and uh, sometimes people will be accused of of uh, accused of having murder hoboism. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what this means is that you are a you're just an aimless drifter that murders every problem that you come across. Like you just come into a you come you you come up into a field where there is an orc tribe and and the murder hobo says i start killing everybody because it's because they're orcs you know i don't need any more information other than there's a thing in front of me or it could even get as bad as like i you meet this townsperson along the road who has a nice horse and it's like well i I need a horse so i just you know it's a role-playing game none of this matters i kill them right and so it's a it's a magnus rushes in kind of thing yeah, but like, but certainly with yeah, with no regard for consequences mm-hmm. or anything like that, and and it can it can lead to like if someone is interested in a more in depth or more um, meaningful role playing kind of experience, this kind of player could put you off. Yeah, it doesn't take much characterization to just do the violent or you know take the action that's right. obvious in every situation. So I will say, Finn and Jake, Finn especially. Has a very strong stream of murder hoboism in him. Yeah, yeah. He's never seen a problem that he can't punch in the face. Indeed. And what we see, uh, what you exactly what you're saying. This is. I'm not adding anything other than to bring in this outside reference. I I agree with all that we were saying that this is becoming a much more of a uh, balancing act or a fight. Fight's the wrong word, but a a conflict between this concept of. How do you solve problems? How you deal with problems? Do you murder hobo it, or do you have to deal with the emotional levels and actually grow as a person? Yeah, and also the the people that in your life who give you trouble and bother you, you know, they are people too. And Indeed. to the extent that Ice King was just a sort of caricature of an evil wizard for a long time, all of a sudden, you know, it it completely changes your view of everything that he does mm-hmm. to know that he's sort of just this depressed, lonely old man who is trying to find friends. Have I ever tried to put ice King into my metaverse? I don't know if I have. I don't think that you have. All right. So I'm going to do it now. Okay. And go. I think that the ice King is a representation of Finn's. I think he's a representation of Finn. I think that is a part of Finn that Finn is still at odds with how to cope. Kind of becoming an adult, but it's a lot of things wrapped up. I think it's a budding sexuality. I think mm-hmm. the Ice King has trouble. The Ice King has a very naive and, and egotistical sense of like what it means to have love and right. what it means to be attracted to somebody. Um, but I think also there is a layer of you know, coming to terms with like, how does one become happy? How does one become happy with themselves? I think yeah. that, the, I think that is a, I think that this is Finn battling Finn. Okay. what I'm going to say. This is, I don't know that he would ever articulate it that way, but I think that that's what this is a manifestation of. So I think yeah, that, that makes, that makes a lot King of sense. A, I think Ice King is just another side of Finn. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's certainly, he is a, he, he, he very well could be like an aspect of Finn's personality that, 
he is either beginning to notice and wrestle with or that he hasn't noticed yet and so is expressing itself subconsciously. Yeah. I think. I mean, if I, if, if I put it more succinctly than I did before, I think the Ice King represents Finn going through puberty. Sure. Is, is really what it is. Yeah, it's not... Uh... It's not easy to to go through puberty, and it's not easy to be a lonely old man either. Right. And in many ways, they're similar. <laughs> you get hair growing in new places. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to make you list a few things. Keep no going. one wants to talk to you because you're awful. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Probably zits. Sure. Adult, adult acne is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. End of list. So, so we've got, um, you know, I, man, I actually, um, had kind of blown off the eyes. I think that it, it was a little bit of a letdown after Night of Sphere, except when you get to the end and then narratively it was, it was totally a throwaway episode narratively, but that final minute is, is dense. It's chock full of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so where are you? I liked both Season of these. Season two. I liked both of these, and I think talking about them has helped me a lot more. I, I kind of agree with you. I hadn't... I came in say, wanting to say, season, like, the episode two... Yeah, meh. Episode two mm-hmm. was a meh kind of episode. But a lot of talk about, and... Uh, I don't... I can't write it off anymore. Yeah. I think, you know, the... You, you watch the second episode, and I thought it had really good jokes. The The... The viola is fantastic when, when Ice King or when, when Ice King gets kicked out of the horse and Jake is yelling at him. He, he, he says, "Were you trying to see if I?" And then he does. You were doing air quotes earlier. Sleep in the nude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which to have a dog yell at you about uh, sleeping in the nude is is very yeah. funny. Yeah. I also thought that episode two followed episode one well insofar as jake is taken out of episode one and episode two is a real bro episode yeah yes it's really just finn and jake the the horse is sort of a character but it doesn't speak so most of the most of the episode is just finn and jake and one thing that i noticed in this episode and it's it's true in other episodes, but I noticed it in this one. Uh, Finn and Jake have that whole huge treehouse that they live in, but they choose to sleep in the same room. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, but yeah, they, you're yeah, right. Yeah, they're, they're like such bros that, you know, they're so inseparable that they don't even have their own, their own rooms. And if, if Jake was a dog, it would make sense. But to the extent that Jake is sentient, um, right. you know, they're... They're for real bros. That's true. That's very true. Also, Finn sleeps on top of his sheets in a in a mummy style sleeping bag. Yeah, this is as well. This has been something that actually I, I've I've noticed a few times. Yeah. And as a recovering camp counselor, let me tell you, little boys should not be sleeping in sleeping bags every night because they get so filthy. <laughs> you can't change the sheets on a sleeping bag. And if Finn's out adventuring all day... I had not considered that, yeah. Man, you're out adventuring all day, and then you climb into the sleeping bag. They must have been stanking, yeah. Yeah, we never never see them bathe, and frankly, I doubt that they do. Uh, But but he climbs in this sleeping bag every night, and I know for a fact that it is not pleasant inside of there. And someone needs to be responsible and tell Finn just to sleep in the dang bed and wash his sheets. Okay. Sleeping bag stuff. That doesn't go very far in Cabin 17. Do you want to keep going? You need to get some stuff off your chest? This is starting to to sound like a very specific story. Yeah. Well, there are like 15 of those stories because every little boy also wants to sleep in a sleeping bag every night, particularly if you make them make their bed in the morning. So... Well, okay, um, yeah. Yeah. It's an elegant it's, solution to a problem. Yeah, elegant until you become filthy. But they're filthy all the time. I guess it doesn't really matter. Who knows? In any case, uh, episodes one and two of, of season two moved you further along, huh? Yeah, indeed they did. Glad to and, hear it. And episode two, more so than I thought it had. Yep. All right. Yeah, man. Ice King just gut punch at the end. I uh, I'm looking forward to... 
next two episodes. Yeah, we are. We're in the thick of it now. We, yeah, I don't think that there's any turning back. So, no. Nope. Uh, yeah, we will watch episodes three and four of season two next time on our podcast Podventure Time. But until then, I've been Pat. I've been Ben. Nobody touches my butt without my consent. <laughs> <laughs>